Whoever's got the clock, you can put it on now. <laughs> Father God, we thank you so much for incredible vulnerability this morning, for responsibility and openness. We know, Lord, that these are moments in churches that we will remember as holy moments. And so I pray now as I briefly open your word that you would give me just clarity of mind and heart. I remember where you said to your disciples, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. What openness, what truth, what vulnerability. Now, Lord, help me in this moment, I pray, and bless us as a church. Amen. If you have a Bible, I want to read from 2 Samuel chapter 19. The context is there's been a great battle between Judah and Israel as the kingdom of, uh, of Israel is separated into two. And uh, in the battle, David's son Absalom is killed. And we read in verse 1 of chapter 19, um, David has just received the news of victory in battle, but loss and pain even in his own family. And what happens is that he's so deeply moved that he withdraws. So it says in verse 1, It was told to Joab, Behold, the king is weeping and mourning for Absalom. So the victory that day was turned into mourning for all the people. For God, sorry, for the people heard that day, the king is grieving for his son. This is from the ESV, and it says, The people stole into the city that day, as a people steal in who are ashamed when they flee in battle. The king covered his face, and the king cried with a loud voice, Oh, my son Absalom, oh, Absalom, my son, my son. Then Joab came into the house to the king and said, you have today covered with shame the faces of your servants who this day saved your life and the lives of your sons and your daughters and the lives of your wives and your concubines because you love those who hate you and hate those who love you. For you have made it clear today that commanders and servants are nothing to you. For today I know that if Absalom were alive and all of us were dead today, then you would be pleased. Now therefore, arise, go out and speak kindly to your servants. For I swear by the Lord, if you do not go, not a man will stay with you this night. And this will be worse for you than all the evil that has come upon you from your youth until now. Then the king arose, and he took his seat at the gate. And the people were told, Behold, the king is sitting at the gate. And all the people came before the king. I haven't got a lot of time to unpack this in the depth that I would like, but as I was leaving London to come and be with you, God spoke to me very clearly out of this passage. And I felt almost a commission a Joab-like commission to get the elders back to the gates of the city. These were dark days for David. 
In fact, many commentators would say this was the darkest moment of his life. Warfare, responsibility, and then not such a great outcome when he receives news of his son's death. Consequences of actions, one might say, as you look at David's life. His kingdom in disarray. And so this battle takes place, but the king is restored to his throne. News comes, victory, but also the sadness, the pressures, the outcomes are just too much for David. We find that he withdraws. He withdraws into his chambers, the word says. And one might understand, but we see that at times leadership can be an extremely lonely place. Now for us, that might be a reasonable thing to do, to see David withdraw and say, with all that's going on, give him a chance, give him a moment. But we see the consequences of leadership when it's false. And you see in verse 3 how a people, they slink into the city. It says they, they stole in, a word we don't use very often, don't want to be seen. It's a picture of a people who've really lost the battle. No king to receive them. No king to honor them. No king to gather the nation in a time of loss and say, these are my people. But we read that Joab, this officer, this great courageous man, steps in. Proverbs 27, 6 says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend. He steps in as a friend, and he steps in as a fellow leader. And he says to David, this isn't good enough. Do you not see what's happening around you? Do you not see the things that have happened? You'd better get yourself back in order. And for those sitting in the front row, they'll remember similar words to that during the last 10 days as we gathered before God, really looking to Him. Praise God, David was a leader who listened. He was a leader who listened. And I stand before some that are of the same heart. And it says... All the people gathered to the king. So you see this turnaround, lovely picture taking place. You cannot read this scripture with understanding the significance of what it meant for a king to be at a gate. I found an outstanding um, Hebrew newspaper in English, just in case you wonder, and they, somebody wrote an article for the newspaper about the importance of the city gates. And he said a couple of things. He said, it's where the people meet. He says, it's where, where contracts used to be signed. He reminded the people as well. He said, that's where our father Abraham negotiated a cave in which to bury 
Sarah. Amos prophesied about the power of the gates and also prophesied in the gates. So it was a place where the people heard from God. Judgments were ruled over. The king would sit and rule over, govern over his people, all at the city gates. Great decisions. And there too, cities were guarded, protected. If you know the story of Ruth, You'll know that was the place that Boaz goes to that day and says, I want to take this woman. Beautiful, beautiful picture at the city gates. It was also the place where you find David returning to receive his people. To not be at the gates is a vulnerable place for any person. When Paul writes to Timothy and Titus many generations later, he uses that picture to explain how eldership works in a church community. And at times we've got it so muddled, and so it was interesting, even as we debated eldership and talked about it, we say the elders. But it was never the case in the Bible. You would have the city, so if you talked about the elders or the king or the rulers, you would point to the city gates and you'd say, they're there watching over us. The walls protect us, but the elders are there watching over us. And so Paul uses this language and his listeners and hearers would have heard, ah, we know exactly what he's saying. And so we've seen how this happens. And so Joaz, when he sees that things are faulty, they, they arrive back, where's the king? He's not here. He very quickly challenges and says, you've got to get back to the gates. You've got to stand over this community, watch over them. Because without it, we're going to be vulnerable. Using this cord. And the outcome could have been Devastating. For us as a community, what we have seen over these last few days is the elders returning to the gates. And I feel very confident of that. This picture is seen in marriage as well. There is a term used when marriage starts to break down. It's called abandonment, where one of the, the two abandon the other. Don't give the covenant love and care. And you have the same thing happening. Jesus said to his disciples, as he's about to go, he said, I will be with you always to the very end of this age. What's he saying? I will be at the gates. I'll be watching over you. And it's one of the great things that we do have. David had, had um, abandoned his responsibility. And he gets called back. My dear friends of Grace City Church, we've been through some real difficulties. And we're going to talk more as we meet later. But our task has been to reestablish God-ordained leadership to get this team back to the gates. 
to get the community functioning and to find health come back into this body. body. And I'm thrilled to say I feel we're there. Heather and I have felt it as we have had some time off the last two days. We've just felt, okay, it is done. We've got a few things to do this afternoon that we feel are paramount in the success of this community. But I do believe that God has done it. It's so important that we gather to God in the season. And thank you, Kate, for leading us there. It's so important that we gather. Okay, we're together. Let's gather. The people heard David's at the gate, and they were in, and they gathered to him and to God. I've heard many people quote this verse. I'll read it to you, and you'll know it very, very well. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. I've heard it at city group meetings, church meetings, prayer meetings. Oh, there are a few of us. God's with us. And sometimes I feel like nudging them and saying, have you any idea of the context of that scripture? It starts like this. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you, you and him. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. If he does not listen, take one or two others along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be as a Gentile and tax collector. Isn't that encouraging? <laughs> Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, in the context of reconciliation and forgiveness, I am in their midst. Amen. 